It's November, so it seems like there are three big things that are on a lot of people's minds. Politics, masks, social justice. Well, writer and blogger Daryl Harrison wants you to remember that before you start that next big argument, you need to be asking yourself one simple question. We are surrounded by uh, temptations and attractions from the world that would pressure us to be anything other than like Jesus. So when it comes to being humble, during this time of Thanksgiving especially, the, the first thing our flesh wants to tell us is, well, you're gonna lose something by taking on that attitude. What, what, what would they think of you? They're gonna think you're weak. But do you want to be sanctified more than you want to be right? That's a tough question. And we're gonna explore it with Daryl Harrison today on Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Thanksgiving is almost here. The smells are in the air. Pumpkin spice, apple cinnamon, some turkey, stuffing. Is your mouth watering yet? But then there's that family around the table. And this year of all years, there could be that perfect combination, or rather I should say the perfect storm for a food fight. You know what I'm talking about because your family may have different thoughts on mask or no mask, maybe who our president is and why they voted for him, if our children should be back in school or maybe they need to be homeschooled or churches should be allowed to meet again, right? There are so many issues. And with every single one of those issues, everybody has an opinion. And to me, it seems that many people are willing to be argumentative just to make their point. I have a friend who is much wiser than me, and he has a lot of experience in diffusing difficult situations and verbal spars. His name is Daryl Harrison, and he is social media director at Grace to You. He's also a blogger and a podcaster and an all-around biblically wise man. And so I asked him to help us think through these situations that we might be facing around the Thanksgiving table. Here's my conversation with Daryl. Okay, so Thanksgiving is just a few days away. Daryl, how should we be preparing our hearts for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question, number one, Michelle. And I think the first word that comes to my mind when it comes to preparing our hearts for Thanksgiving is a word that we often take for granted uh, until Thanksgiving rolls around, and that's the word humility. I think if we as believers, as we who profess to be believers in Jesus Christ, truly want to demonstrate that reality to others during this time of year, I think we need to look back at how Jesus modeled that. I I would argue that perhaps the most evident attribute of Jesus as far as what he demonstrated to others during his earthly ministry was his humility. And I think as we approach Thanksgiving and uh, we all have a mindset of giving thanks to our Lord God for all that he's done for us, I think humility is an attitude that we need to earnestly ask the Lord to help us inculcate into our hearts and our minds to remove self 
from some of the conversations and the interactions that we're going to have with family and friends. And, and obviously, we're not naive to the fact that some of those interactions and conversations are going to be very difficult uh, during this time of year. But we need to pray that the Lord will allow us to remove ourselves, remove from us any self-attention, anything that we value uh, in terms of our own importance, our own significance, in terms of what's important to us personally, and give deference to other people in listening to them and being open in our minds and hearts to hear them and truly listen through a lens of objective truth, meaning the objective truth of the Word of God, as opposed to listening to them through our own subjective paradigm of what is is right, wrong, or uh, positions or perspectives worth having. That's difficult, Daryl. I mean, just as you're talking yes. about that, I'm sitting here going, okay, yeah, those words seem like it should be so easy to attain, and yet, just how do we get there? You know, um, you know, my role here, Grace, to you, I'm, I'm on social media all the time, and I, t- I sent a tweet a couple of days ago And the first part of that tweet, I said this, I said, it's easy to be like Jesus until you have to be like Mm. Jesus. So you're absolutely right. It's easy for us to get the words out, but it's difficult for us to act those words oftentimes. I mean, we're talking about how scripture teaches us, right? That when you come to Christ, Christ calls you to die. That's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And, And it's not easy to die. It's not easy to die to ourselves. It is not easy because we have, in this sin-drenched world that in which we live, we we are uh, surrounded by uh, attentions, uh, temptations, and attractions from the world that would pressure us to be anything other than like Jesus. So when it comes to being humble uh, during this time of Thanksgiving, especially, the, the first thing our flesh wants to tell us is, well, you're going to lose something by taking on that attitude. What, what, what would they think of you? They're going to think you're weak. They're going to think you're giving in, that that you're uh, compromising. So we have to be able to be like Jesus and and say to ourselves, well, listen, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm not an ambassador for myself. And when you look at what Christ did, and as the scriptures say, right, he he laid down his rights. He did not take equality with God as a thing to be taken advantage of. We have to be able to die to ourselves and trust that God is going to be glorified. We want God to get the glory in our conversations and not ourselves. So yes, it's not easy, but when you look at what the fruit of that that might be, the fruit being that God is going to get the glory out of that, that should at least inspire us or motivate us to at least attempt to die to ourselves in those situations. You know, I really like what you just said about it does look like you're being weak if you're not saying something or if you're not making your point. Because we live in a such a confusing time where we've just gone through a political season. We've we've you know have social unrest. We have, you know, a pandemic going on. We have so much, and everybody has a opinion about what's going on. And everybody's opinion to them is correct. No one's in the gray anymore. Everyone's always in the the black or the white, and they're willing to die on that sword at all costs, or that, quote, weakness. Do we need to appear weak to keep the peace? Um, Should we just keep our mouth shut? Or how can we even begin to enter a conversation? 
Yeah, I think when you when you consider that question, we as Christians can go about at least trying to facilitate that unity. And and again, let's not be naive here. Thanksgiving is one of the most contentious periods of the year for many, many individuals as they get together with families and friends. Thanksgiving is not always a time of peace, okay? But we have to be able to define what is unity biblically? As much as we would like to have as much unity with others as we possibly can, there are some layers to that, okay? So when we talk about all these issues that can divide us, unity has to first of all be based in the truth, okay? I think of, for instance, Jesus's uh, interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well. You look at that account in John chapter four, Jesus deliberately violated one of the uh, standard cardinal sins, right? If, if you will, I put the sins in quotation mark because Samaritans had no dealings with Jews. So we, so we know that. But what eventually brought Jesus and the Samaritan woman together? It was Jesus confronting her with the truth. And a fruit of that was towards the end of that story of the Samaritan woman at the well. She went and told her other Samaritans that what what Jesus had told her. And then Jesus ended up staying with them for two days after that. And after he stayed there, we read in John 4 that the other Samaritans ended up believing him as well. So we we had unity there, but the unity was a byproduct of Jesus confronting them with the truth. Okay, so we cannot say that we want unity at the expense of truth. So we cannot assume that unity and peace always go together because sometimes there's going to be a cost to be paid when you approach unity under the under the banner of truth. Not everyone's going to accept the truth. Okay, as you're talking, I'm just sitting here thinking about Grandma Mary or Grandpa Bob wanting a very peaceful Thanksgiving table. And if Uncle Keith or uh, Brother Justin come in and, you know, shoot off some some words about some biblical truth that might leave a table unrested, I'm just thinking that it could easily be a divisive conversation that leaves people stomping off down the street going, ugh, and leaving and closing doors or slamming doors or, or what have you. That's hard. Yeah, that's that's incredibly hard. And, and again, you know, I, I have to point your listeners back to the Gospels and look at what happened to Jesus. Mm. Jesus told the truth lovingly. He, he was very engaging with those, even when crowds were crushing up uh, against him. And that's the thing, though, the truth divides. But in, in your hypothetical there, I think it would be wise for anyone who's been invited to grandma and grandpa's house to respect their uh, wishes, and, and at least not at the dinner table, engage in any uh, co- uh, conversation or bring up any any uh, subject matter that may be divisive there at the table. Perhaps there can be some ground rules laid, some protocols laid out by grandma and grandpa, whereby you can engage in these conversations, but not at the table. But at the same time, I think Christians need to be able to accept the fact that, listen, just like it was in Jesus's case, it's not going to be any different for us, no matter how lovingly and how graciously we are in conveying the truth to others, even as we give thanks to the Lord for all of his many, many blessings, the truth makes people uncomfortable. The fact that many of us get uncomfortable when we're presented to the truth totally refutes the fact that we are masters of our own domain. Otherwise, we wouldn't get uncomfortable about that. So 
it's no different than what Jesus told Pilate in John 18. When Pilate asked the rhetorical question, what is truth? You know, Jesus already answered that in John 17, where he prayed to the Father, Lord, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We need to be able to stand graciously and lovingly on the foundation that God's word is truth and that whoever disagrees with us is not disagreeing with us, they're disagreeing with God. Uh, so knowing that, I think we can still keep our composure, still love on those folks, and not take any of that personal. That's good. That's really good. We uh, need to take a break, but when we come back, Daryl, my engineer and I are going to do a little role play of a possible argument <laughs> at a Thanksgiving table. And I am hoping that you could be the referee and talk us through how to really, at that point, bring the emotions down and think through things biblically. Sounds like okay. fun. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Want your friends to like who you love? Be careful what you say. For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal. You know, talking about an offense can cause division. Let Proverbs 17 in the Bible explain. Whoever covers or forgives an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You know, letting go of something that hurts you is an act of love that restores the relationship, but telling others about the offense can turn them against the one you love. So keep the matter private. In a step family, a parent should not tell their children negative things about the step parent, unless, of course, you really don't want your family to blend. Rather, share reasons why you love the step parent, so the children will too. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal. To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com. I can't move anything. Did the doctor express any hope? I'm pretty sure she's going to come off of the ventilator, and beyond that, hope is discouraged. Sometimes God leads us on very difficult paths. Is God still good, whether someone walks again or not? On the Unfavorable Odds podcast, Kim Anthony talks with guests who have faced extraordinarily difficult circumstances. That was really the last meaningful conversation I'd ever had with my three-year-old child. How should we respond when the events of life leave us despairing? Lord, please let me go home to heaven to be with you now. I cannot do this. In the midst of our despair, there is still strength and hope found in Jesus. I heard that my worst nightmare had occurred, and it was so surprising to me what came out of my mouth. You can find the Unfavorable Odds podcast with Kim Anthony wherever you get your podcasts or go to familylife.com slash podcasts. Welcome back to Family Life this week. I'm Michelle Hill. I am talking today with Daryl Harrison, and we are preparing ourselves for Thanksgiving and the possible conversations that we're going to have around the family dinner table. You know, I was I was at the grocery store yesterday, and there was this lady walking around without a mask. Can you guys believe that? I mean, seriously? We're talking about it's Thanksgiving. Everybody's getting all of their pumpkin pie recipe stuff and everything like that. And and she was walking around without a mask. She could have gotten so many people sick. Get, Michelle, can I jump in here for a second? Back several months ago, we didn't know what this thing was. You know, back back in March when it started, we were we were scared of it. We didn't know how bad it was going to be. And we I felt like, you know, we needed to be very responsible and careful with it. But now it's been how many months? 
we kind of know what's going on and we we need to let the thing run its course and get back to normal the, the, we're letting this thing drive us into fear and kill our society and let's let's just get back to normal what do you mean getting back to normal people are dying have you not seen some of the research that if you're not wearing a mask people are you, those particles coming out of your mouth like at church when people are singing and everything like that people are dying because of that do you know how many things in that statement you just said are wrong? That it doesn't actually come out of your mouth, it comes out of your nose. So if you're going to wear a mask, it needs to cover your nose, not your mouth. Also, all the people that have died that I've seen have had underlying conditions, have been at higher risk, and yeah, they need to be more careful, but most of us are going to be fine. We're not going to need to go to the hospital, and the hospitals have plenty of beds for the people that need it. And, and if we could just get through this and get back to normal, we could get our economy started again. We could get people back into jobs. And that this, we it's cannot people like you fear. that are causing others to die. I can't believe you're being so Okay, reckless. time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> may, may, may the referee jump in here because that was pretty sharp. That was pretty sharp, Michelle. That was pretty sharp. If I may jump in here with one scripture verse, please. And, yeah. I have a, and I have a question for both of you. Okay. I'm going to read Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all men mm. and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That was Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. Now, my question is, for both of you, what do you hope to achieve by this conversation? Well, that I'm right. Exactly. That's what I thought. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. And no, and then once you, what, what will demonstrate to you that you're right, that he just shuts down Con convincing michelle that i'm right would prove that i'm right <laughs> <laughs> he wants me to just shut down and say okay yeah you're right 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 but did you get the key word there in that text that i just read from hebrews 12 and the sanctification mm. and the sanctification and the sanctification <laughs> do you want to be sanctified more than you want to be right mm. Oh, that's the good Christian answer, Daryl. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about truth before the break. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I would prefer the truth and, and not just the Christian answer. Don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Right, right, right. Because sanctification will be a byproduct of you telling the truth. Do you want to be sanctified uh, in this conversation more than you want to be right? Hmm. That's really difficult because we live in such a society where we have to be right. Like we talked before, we don't want to appear weak. So how would it have been best for like me to handle that conversation? Even though I want to be right, how could I have entered it differently? This may sound really weird, but I think there's, there's a question that you would have wanted to ask yourself before you even entered the conversation. That question is, do I want to enter this conversation? And if I do, why do I want to enter this conversation? Hmm. 
Okay, so I think that's a very important question. You know, what what is what is my motive here for entering this conversation? So again, right? So Paul talks about how we need to examine ourselves, and you don't have much time if someone brings up an issue to you or approaches you with a question that could potentially lead to a contentious conversation. You really don't have much time to ask and answer and answer those questions for yourself. Okay, but. I believe that if you took the time to answer those questions, you will find more times than not, you will be able to say, well, I, I respect you know, your position. I respect the question. I understand the question, but I don't really think that this is the environment or the time to basically get into a conversation like that. You have to run the risk of being perceived as weak by others. You just have to run that risk and be OK with it. If that's how they perceive you, you have to be OK with that. Um, again, I think that's the same to a smaller degree, of course, but that's the same mindset and attitude that Jesus had. I love it where it says of Jesus that for the glory set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame and despised the shame. So you have to be willing to endure that shame for the moment for the glory that Christ is going to get ahead of time. Because who who knows, maybe that person will reflect back on the fact that you demurred to them you didn't engage them in the conversation. They may reflect back on that and say, you know what? Uh, that was a very gracious example that she said. Yeah, you may want to just go ahead and defer, take the shame at the moment, and then let God handle it from there. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay, I have one last question for you, Daryl. Let's say that Sister Megan is sitting across the table, and it's obvious to everybody that she is lost. She doesn't know Christ. How do we share the gospel with her? Wow. Uh, that's that's a great question. That's a great, great question. But regardless of, of whether there are issues in Megan's life or not, what would be burdensome to me is helping her recognize uh, as gently and as lovingly as possible that, Sister Megan, you're going to die one day. Okay? We're, we're already talking about how we're in the midst of a, a pandemic and thousands of people have died who came into the year 2020 not expecting to die this year. OK, but that is a hard reality that we all have to face. So I would I would ask, listen, have you considered your eternal your eternal destiny? Have you considered uh, from the moment you were conceived in mom's womb, you began an eternal destiny, a, a, an eternal journey where you're going to meet your creator one day? Have you thought about that? You know, not trying to, to scare Sister Megan uh, into the kingdom, but at the same time, death is a reality. Uh, and, and to uh, let her know that she doesn't have to wonder about where she would spend eternity if, in fact, this is her last Thanksgiving, that there is a God who loves her. That is a God who we know from Acts chapter 17, verse 27, created you in his image so that you could know him, so that you could could find him and know him for who he is and, and his love for you. So I, I would, I, again, I would give deference to Sister Megan. I wouldn't push the gospel on her, but I would prayerfully ask the Lord, you know, is this the right opportunity to present her with the gospel? And if so, Lord, give me the words to say to her. And then lastly, I'll just say this. Understand that it's not your job to make Megan believe. Hmm. Your job begins and ends with rightly sharing the gospel, accurately sharing the gospel, and then you leave the effectual aspect of that sharing the gospel up to God.
such good words from Daryl Harrison. In fact, the entire conversation was so meaningful to me and actually so timely for me. A a few days after I talked with Daryl, I was given the chance to put his words into practice. A call came in from someone who is close to me, and this person wanted to talk about politics and wanted me to see their side and to agree with them, and then spent the rest of the night researching articles to prove me wrong and to broaden my narrow mind. You know, during this conversation, I was able to keep my cool because I kept reminding myself of the words that Daryl used. It's okay to appear weak. You need to be humble. You need to have the mind of Christ. I had to block this person because of how toxic this conversation became. And I contacted Daryl and I shared with him my experience. And here were his words to me. I want you to meditate on Luke 12, 52 and 53. And here are those words. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That's not easy. Those were words from Jesus. That's kind of a little bit scary, right? Well, and along with that, Some scripture has just been coming to my mind lately. You remember the armor of God from Ephesians 6, 13? Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after all you have done to stand. I think we need to remember and put Daryl's words into practice. Sometimes all we have to do is stand. We don't have to make defense of ourselves. You know, remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared 1 Corinthians 13, those words with you. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts always hopes, always perseveres. And you know, all those words are from Scripture, from God's Word. And I'm just processing through those words, processing through encouragement from Daryl, and processing through that conversation, and just praying, what is my role in healing this relationship? What is God asking of me? Maybe you need to be asking that same thing too. As you prepare your heart, for this Thanksgiving meal. Hey, next week, we're going to talk with Greg Smalley of Focus on the Family, and we're going to talk about the stresses we face in marriage of sheltering in place for months after months after months after months, because it feels that long, right? It's going to be a great, encouraging, and also helpful conversation with Greg Smalley that's next week on Family Life This Week. Hey, thanks for listening. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our station partners around the country. A big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch. Thanks to our producers, Marcus Holt and Bruce Goff. Justin Adams is our mastering engineer, and Megan Martin is our production coordinator. Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week.